0: Hi, my name is David Speed, and I'm Adam Brazier, and this is the Creative Rebels podcast,
1: featuring inspirational stories and practical advice from some of the most prolific and successful creators in the world.
0: Adam and I have co-founded multiple creative businesses and turned our varied passions into our careers.
1: There's never been a better time in history to make a career from being creative.
0: So many people will tell you that you can't do it, but we're here to show you that you definitely can. Right, let's do a podcast.
1: Welcome back, rebels. I've had a breakthrough.
0: Have you f- fixed your wrist? No, I've I've done a lot less, so I think that it's it's obviously repetitive strain injury. It's no longer yeah. swollen. I've done one painting since we last spoke, um, and that was just a very quick thing. So so yeah, I've taken it easy, and it seems to be working, which is cool. Um, it's actually really lovely. A, a listener got in touch and was like. Well, now that your arm's hurting, you could um, start beat making because you did say you wanted to start. Oh, I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, I have had too
1: much. So is this the breakthrough? You're now going to tell us you've started making beats. No,
0: no. So the, the breakthrough is I've been thinking about a question that we get asked a lot that I haven't had a good answer for, and it's been really frustrating me because we get okay. asked it so often. And I'm always like, eh, not really sure of what the right answer is. We get asked a lot. What content should I post? should i post everything or should i just stick to one thing and only post that and you and i both listen to a lot of Gary Vee, and his answer to that is you should post everything so if you're interested in teenage mutant ninja turtles but you also do pottery then you should post about both and that just didn't feel right to me because he because he's like he's like oh well if you're if you're i think his his example was something like oh if you're a, a business person in um Tallahassee and you support this football team and then you see that that person is also talking about that football team then you're more likely to spend with them I'm like that's like so specific and weird I just it it just didn't sit with me that that was the correct
1: answer so so what he actually meant by that with posting everything and really targeting people really specifically about the specific things that they like and you can do that all over the place was with targeted advertising so that was saying like what you do instead of doing it with your actual personal page or whatever you just find out okay well i'm going to target people who live in this town who support this football team who support who like these things and just talk about those things and then send the ads directly to those people so it's like we've got a connection rather than just blanketing every single thing that you like out to the world that's true he does definitely say that for for
0: ads he does also advocate that on your personal page you should you should just be posting everything and he's like six posts a day and all of this like madness anyway so we've been asked that a lot and we have always kind of mumbled around what we think the right answer should be and i've just applied your tree analogy to it so for anyone who might be a new listener do you want to explain the analogy of the tree
1: in regards to starting your career so the tree analogy basically if you think of it like you're looking at a tree kind of side on so you can see the roots are underground really spread out and then they come together to meet the root of the tree and then you get the trunk that goes up and then as soon as you hit the top you get the branches that come out so if you can visualize that that's the way i like to think about a business or a career and how at the start of your career you start down at the root level you try loads of different things see what works see what you like and then you slowly kind of knock things out so actually i prefer this one to that one and you slowly make it down until you've got that one thing once you've got that one thing you then work on that one thing for what we've found to be about three years to kind of dedicate your time to that for a good period of time anyway and then once you've got to a certain level then that's when you can start to branch out you need that one piece of focus for an extended period of time to be successful yeah 100 percent. and you can
0: use the success that you've had in your tree trunk that can affect your branches and it can help you in the, the new things that you can try. Cause you can always, once you've had success in one thing, even if you're trying something completely different, you can still use it as a springboard because you have a track record there of, of being successful. Um, so I applied it to posting content in that when you first start off, you're gonna be trying lots of different things, working out what you like. Um, but then once you have found that thing, then you double down on that and you just post that. Um, and that becomes your trunk of the main content that you're posting. And then as you get further along, and I, I think it's about building up loyalty with your audience. So because yeah. they've come to know, understand, and like you for one thing, I think that's when you can gradually then take you, them on a journey to show them the other things that you're interested in. Because a lot of people say to us, should I have one page for personal, one page for the projects that I'm working on? And it can all get, but I, I feel like if you build the first one strong enough, Then, once you do start to branch out, people will be willing to come with you rather than at the beginning when it's kind of you haven't built up that trust with them yet. So, they're not as willing to come on that journey with you.
1: Yeah. Like it's funny you say that actually, because I was having a conversation with a listener the other day. She was asking some advice on uh, YouTube strategy. And I think YouTube is the perfect example of that. I think a lot of people will start YouTube with a daily vlog. They don't realize that it's not all about them. It's about providing value to an audience. And to start with, if you start a daily vlog, people don't care who you are. Like that's the sad thing. It's like when you first start, it's gonna be about what they can get from you rather than what you can provide to them. You see it a lot where people will start a YouTube channel with a vlog, and it doesn't go anywhere because there's not an audience who already cares about that person one when you see youtubers do well it's because they've concentrated on a thing that's brought in an audience and then the audience starts wanting to know about them and i think that's the way to do it. It's as soon as your audience starts to ask for something that's when they want it that's when to provide it i suppose that comes with content as well it's like if you put out your thing for a certain amount of time and then people start to ask tell me other things about your life like oh are you interested in this and it's when people start to ask those questions that's maybe the time to start spreading out and really showing those extra things that you like yeah so I'd like to have a very niche conversation about
0: Japanese pro wrestling now if that's okay with you listeners because You've been with us for a year and a half now, so we, I feel like we've built up enough trust that we they can go on that journey.
1: Uh, I feel like to have a conversation, you need someone else to talk to who understands Japanese pro wrestling. So unfortunately, I don't. Um, if anyone wants to st- talk to David about Japanese pro wrestling, uh, please contact him you, on Instagram see, at David Speed UK because I'm not interested. See, you joke about that. There
0: is a listener that has reached out to me and said, oh, you said you're interested in Japanese pro wrestling. Yeah, so shout out to uh Steve Russell who I have had pro wrestling chats with. And I've also had chats with someone else who got in contact after I mentioned that I um collect He-Man toys from the 1980s. But that's I guess that's proof, isn't it? It's like literally even within our own stuff and our own content like people have still said, "Oh, I'm interested in that." and then got in touch. Like don't don't worry, guys. I'm not going to yeah. start talking about pro wrestling because I know how niche
1: that is, but and I think there's a balance, isn't there? It's like if you're interested in something yes you should talk about it but it's like what are your main audience here for if most of your audience aren't interested in one thing maybe don't talk about it all the time maybe just mention it every now and again because then it's like you're going to create deeper relationships with those couple of people that do have that interest i feel like gary Vee is a good example because if you watch him on youtube you see his office you see like a big wall of shelves behind him with all the different things that he likes and that's quite a clever way to without him actually having to mention it if you're interested in something and you like that, you'll spot it on the shelf. Other people will just won't even see it, but if you've got that connection, then you'll be like, "Oh, that's cool because he's got that on the back of his shelf." For me, I'll look and I'll
0: disregard anything to do with American football because I don't know or care about it. Yeah. I, so I don't it doesn't even register with me, but I do see that he has um half of a pro wrestling championship belt behind his yeah. desk and lots of Macho Man Randy Savage figures. So
1: yeah yeah have you, that's have you seen right. where that belt came from
0: uh you told me before it's like a youtube video where they cut things they cut things up. yeah right? yeah yeah. who yeah. who makes con like it just goes to show man like if you're dedicated enough to whatever it is that you're interested in you can make a youtube channel about cutting stuff up who yeah. like do you watch that stuff
1: no no really i have no interest uh, the only things i only times i've watched it is when they've done a collaboration with another youtuber that i've watched so they've done things with like Casey Neistat, they've did the thing right, with Gary right. Vee uh, and a few other people that I've, I've watched they've cut stuff in half with. But yeah, not not really interested. We talk
0: about it a lot, but but finding the people that are interested in the things that you are interested in and taking them along on that ride with you. And I think an excellent example of people that have found their people who are interested in their same
1: beliefs and their same ethics and everything like that is this week's guest adam i absolutely love this episode i think one of the things i've missed most about lockdown is not being able to go down to the pub and socialize with people this felt like one of those chats the way you're down the pub and you're just like with friends and it's not often that you talk to people for the very first time they instantly feel like they're now your friends and this was definitely one of those conversations that i had such a good time chatting to those guys Yes, so this week's guests are Lucy
0: and Chris from Dungaree fashion brand Lucy and Jack. They've grown from a small Depop page to a hugely popular brand, passionate about sustainability, community and creating unique clothing for creative people. Lucy's been on a bunch of different podcasts where they kind of really discuss sustainability and the the ethical nature of, of Lucy and Yak. And we didn't really go into that. We didn't talk about like where the clothes are sourced and all of that stuff. But there there are lots of interviews out there with Lucy about that stuff that you can that you can check out. Um, but we took this in a different direction. Their company wouldn't exist if not for a series of events that Lucy and Chris experienced while traveling the world. It goes to show that too much planning will hide
1: opportunities and sometimes it's better to just see what happens. On this episode, we talk about not listening, traveling the world, and getting comfortable.
2: You know what, right? There's, there's contradictions with the human characters in there where we're always striving for comfort, right? We're always going, we're always trying to be as comfortable as possible, but comfort's shit. There's nothing <laughs> happens in comfort. <laughs> nothing at all came up for Lucy and Yak. I think well,
3: literally a picture of a Lucy and an actual animal Yak. Yeah, <laughs> I think that
2: was, the, I think was, that was it. That we were like, this is gold, let's do it. And then, and then since then I've spun it that um, it was like a marketing thing of like cute uh, juxtaposed against rugged and it makes you stop in your tracks and you remember it. So there's loads of marketing spin that I've added at a later date <laughs> as to
0: why.
1: Yeah, that's got really deep now. <laughs> I mean, you definitely do
0: remember it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure.
2: Yeah, it stands out in there
0: because what you've done is like really specifically gone for the dungarees mm. and like by people then by calling it a Hoover or a Kleenex or whatever, it's like by calling them yaks, you kind of own all dungarees, really. Yeah, don't you? well, that
3: was you know that was actually a conscious um, thing that we did. So he he was like, well, we didn't call them yaks, but we started calling them Lucy and yaks. Like so, every time we did an Instagram post, we were and we shared a picture of a customer wearing them we would always say such and such in their Lucy and Yaks so that it got people saying Lucy and Yaks. And it, it did. Everyone then started, when they tagged us, started either saying Lucy and Yaks and then it's over time they've shortened it to just Yaks. So there was kind of a conscious. That was your idea as well, wasn't Cause, it? Because
2: no one, because it dawned on us really early on that no one owned the dungaree space, like mm. it, which was it was really weird. Yeah. It was every everything else has got like a brand that you connect it with, you know, like Levi's, Ugg boots, Hoover. And there's always a uh, there's always a brand name that kind of jumps to mind first. Like,
3: kind of Carhartt did, but Carhartt's always been so focused on being kind of workwear esque dungarees that it's not. Yeah, it's a very yeah, different. it's, different it's kind, never really yeah. fully. Um, Become mainstream, as it in that sense. No. So,
2: so we thought if we if we do if we play this right, we could maybe have it have the name on dungarees. You know what I mean? Mm. To to replace the word dungarees with Lucien yaks, but mm. it's t- sort of evolved into yaks now, isn't
1: it? Have you ever been somewhere and seen someone call them yaks when they're not your product?
2: People tag us in their pictures mm. on on Instagram and they're not wearing Lucien yaks, yeah. and we're not sure what they think. Yeah, tagging Lucien yak means. <laughs>
0: why the decision to do dungarees it wasn't just a random out of the air like oh let's do dungarees you actually did some market research right so
3: yeah when we when we were living in the camper van so when we got back to the uk after traveling we were adamant that we weren't going to work for anybody else and weren't going to go back to life as normal so we ended up we were living in the van we were running a vintage business out of the van so we had all of our stock in the van as well as us too that's why there was no space in it oh my God. <laughs> and so what, we, what we were doing is we were selling vintage clothing on Depop. Um, so he was photographing it on me, we were putting it on Depop, and we were basically, wherever we were in the country, it didn't really matter, there was always a post office, we could always, so we could do that from a van, Um, and at the start of this, we didn't, neither one of us would say that we really knew anything about fashion as such, so we, um, yeah, we ended up, like just over time, you know, when you start realising what people like, and we got, we became a bit obsessed actually with Depop, and like obsessed with, not just, it wasn't about like making money, it was just like obsessed with wanting to figure out how to, what photos like sold the best? Um, what what products sold the best? Do you know what I mean? Like what what was the magic mix that made something sell? Dungarees. We just we we were finding the odd pair of dungarees in vintage shops, but there's so few of them that we could see. Like the '90s was making like a huge comeback. Like oversized oh, yeah. sweaters and um, fleeces. We sell them now as well because we we knew that they were a thing and, and dungarees and mom jeans. So like this kind of idea of like the nineties making a comeback. We could see it happening really early on. So when we went to India
0: And what, what year was this? This was in
3: 2016, 17. Um yeah. So we saw this happening and you know it was really interesting because I always thought, you know, fashion trends, they come, they go really quick. That's what we're always told. But actually they don't. They stick around for ages. Like like a particular print might be come and go really quick. Like animal print might be in for a season and it's gone, but you tend to find like a, a particular shape or a style, like a dungaree or mom jeans, that, or skinny jeans when they were in they're they're in for a really long time and then it switches. So we yeah. we saw it coming through on Depop at the high street and we're still doing nothing about it, you know, like they still weren't doing the same as what Depop were doing. And it's it, we're still starting to see some of it filter through now that we were seeing like three, four years ago yeah and um, so it takes yeah. that long actually to make its way from the street to the high street kind of thing and i suppose it's the same
1: with all kind of subcultures like music especially mm-hmm. like if you look at things will start getting popular within a subculture and then the mainstream will pick up on it yeah. that will be the kind of hot thing for a while and then it will yeah. go but that that culture is still there yeah. it's never gone yeah. it still stayed yeah. the same but that, i think
0: that's the thing about depop i think i feel like people feel about depop as they do about tiktok yeah. that they're like oh it's a it's only kids on there and then when you actually immerse yourself in it you're like wow this is this is cool as fuck and those those kids are the ones that are setting the trends yeah,
3: definitely and it's an amazing platform as well because you can you can set up a business literally from your bedroom, like that should be there. Well, it is, isn't it? That's what they talk about a lot, like setting up a business from your bedroom. And, and what's amazing about Depop is because they've got the Explore page, they're basically telling you what's on trend. You can look to Depop because yeah. they, they they're picking the things that they know are selling well. That like the photograph's nice. The you know the, they're picking the best sellers to go on explore so you can kind of use explore to go well what are they showing a lot of at the minute well that's what's that's what's going to be in in like four years time <laughs> whatever they're showing now we're going to start seeing it in three or four years on the high street
1: so do you guys still research in that sense of like going on the depot homepage to see what is trendy
3: nice we've not in terms of like different shapes and styles we with prints and colors we just do our own thing we never follow a trend and in terms of like shapes and styles we've you know, we keep testing new things and we're starting to find some things like now, now our dungarees have always been our core but like fleeces uh, are now huge for us and um, we've, we've landed on this particular style of jean that we did really early on which we we actually pulled the shape from a really nice vintage pair that we found and they've become like a another loose piece that people recognize as ours yeah. and what we've found is we've probably got about five or six pieces like that now, haven't mm. we? And we found that trying to like branch out into too many products. It's not what our customer wants. They literally want these sort of like five or six styles that they know fit them well. They love the shape. Can I just have it in different colors and prints? Yeah. And, and so we, we've spent like the last few years actually focusing on trying to bring in new things, shapes. And we we really realized this year that actually people just want the dungarees, the jeans, the fleece, the sweaters in different colors, different prints and loud prints where they can't find anywhere else. Um, so we're really yeah. focusing on that at the minute rather mm. than looking for new shapes is that what you'd recommend to anyone starting a business now to
1: almost like pick one product and build everything else around that rather than launching with like a line of different
3: things? It's good to have a hero product. I know when we first started, like we, we started working with a consultant about six, seven months into the business and she said, you've got a hero product. Like we had no idea what that meant at the time. And she was like, but this is what's one of the reasons why you've done really well because you've got a hero product. A lot of brands don't have a hero yeah. product. So You see a lot of brands that do start out that you don't really know entirely what they do or it's very similar to other things that are out there. So there's nothing that really sets them apart. So I think it's important. I mean, it's probably quite difficult to land on something. It doesn't feel like it because it feels like we obviously hit it first time. But yeah, it's probably quite difficult to find that hero product. But I, I don't know. I don't think it's necessary. There's definitely brands out there that are doing it without having that one particular piece that's their own There's, i could probably name quite a lot of brands that i wouldn't say they've got one particular thing but it does help
0: i suppose like a lazy oaf or something yeah. like that mm-hmm. is, is that they, they they do everything yeah. but I, I feel like you have it, i feel like what you've done is perfect it's like um adam's tree analogy that he always uses but you 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 have you have the trunk and then you can branch out afterwards because mm-hmm. it's it's that core that that gets gets you the attention in the first place yeah because i i'm Certain that if you launched with a full range of loads of different things, it just you you don't have the impact of of just being the people that people go to for one yeah, thing, yeah. and then later you can expand it. Yeah,
3: mm. we've tried to we try to make sure that like we still talk about the dungarees enough so that people. Still know it. it's about the dungarees, but like here's a little yeah. cool things that we do.
0: If someone was starting up on Depop, what uh, what are some of those those little things that you learned that made the product fly just specifically on that platform?
3: Just iron the clothing for a start. Oh, like yeah. Some people don't even iron the clothing. <laughs> <laughs> you put a photograph up and it's not ironed, and you're like, how, how are you going to sell that? Um, <laughs> just yeah. spend the time to make the product look nice because presentation,
2: was, presentation, was, yeah. Was, um... <laughs> i've got uh, yeah that was that was uh i I enjoy ironing i think that's where that's came from wow i know um log
0: this one down (laughs) (laughs) Lucy.
2: and attention to detail and trial and error the depop days really was that that was our like uh, training ground we went Mm. through so many different Mm. uh iterations of of what we were selling how we were selling it how we were photographing it like we've I wish we'd kept all the photos of how many different ways we've tried photographing clothes.
3: Yeah, photos as well, like be willing to work hard because a lot of people on Depop I see, they they say, oh, you know, when you buy it, I'll post it in five days. I mean, that's fine if you're not trying to set up a business. But if you try to set up a business, people,
4: yeah.
3: people will be more lenient with a smaller brand. And they don't expect like you to be as fast at shipping things as bigger brands. But if you are, then you're going to be able to compete better. And I think people are just so used to it now that we've always been like so on it with postage with from as soon as Lucy started, we set up like a next day delivery option and things like that. Whereas I see some like even bigger brands now that still don't always have that option available. And yeah, And I think even on Depop, people will say, oh yeah, I'll post it in three to five days. And you're like, well, why? Why can't you go around the post yeah. just now with it?
1: <laughs> because now with things like Amazon Prime, where it's like you can order it and potentially have it the same day, yeah. you just get this mindset of like, well, if I order it, I want yeah. it now. And I'll often kind of, I'll find someone on the internet. I'm like, well, they are going to deliver in three days or I could go here, pay a couple of pounds more and I'll deliver it yeah. tomorrow. I'm just going to do yeah. that because like, I want it now. Yeah,
3: that's what we're like. And right. I think- it's like even with like sustainable fashion, people say like the mindset of like a slower pace and you know not. And I'm like I know, but with with something like shipping, people just expect it. And if they if they want to if they want something and they're going to wear it in two days time, they're going to buy from somewhere else. They they're not going to be bothered.
0: Yeah, we're so impulsive. My my sister has this great thing that she does that if she wants something, she doesn't impulse buy it. Buy it. She writes it down uh-huh. and then she revisits it in a week or two weeks to see if she still because sometimes you just have that that kind of energy mm. of like oh that's dope and you and you just go for it oh. and i think yeah if you if you if you see it and you're like oh well i'm not gonna have it till next week that. or i mean some depop sellers just like it's just like oh it's at my mum's yeah. house what <laughs> like, what and i'm at uni yeah. you can get it
1: in december yeah. it's like okay yeah actually that reminds me i've bought something on depop about f- six months ago and i still haven't got it <laughs> So I need to chase that up. It was only like £6, but i have literally just remembered. It. It's at their mum's house. You'll get it. <laughs> You'll get eventually.
0: <laughs> Let's go back to the very beginning. You guys were working jobs that, and you met at work, right? Yeah. And you're working jobs that were not fulfilling yeah.
3: you. Yeah, we were selling cars. We were selling cars, yeah. <laughs> we, um, we met, yeah. I, I, it was in Newcastle. So yeah. you've been doing it for a long time, haven't you? Yeah. Not,
2: not even really a long time. I only oh, did I it know. for eight years in total. total. Um, so when I've done is
0: there anything that you learn
2: through selling oh, cars yeah. that you,
0: that you bring wow. to the business?
3: Now? Work ethic, work hard. Really? Yeah, because you know, in car sales, it's a funny thing that people don't realize, but you're practically self-employed. Your basic salary is about thousand pound a month, but you're working 60 hours a week. And so everything that you earn on top of it, so you, you've, you've got to work 60 hours a week, most weeks, six days a week. And you're working from 9am till 7pm. And you, you have to, your commission like to work 60 hours a week you have to be earning like 40 grand a year otherwise you, there's no point doing it and you, you're kind of like yeah so you, you have to work really hard and make sure that you're bringing in do you know what I mean because you, you just think why am I working all these hours and I've got no social life I've got no like no family life you just end up like working so hard that you you, you want to earn that commission but the basic salary is so crap but, that you've uh, just got to work um, harder. As,
2: as well. I think I think probably more than that in what in car sales. I, I know there's car salesmen get a rep that they're lazy and they sit around drinking mm. coffee and, and and there are a lot like that. That's there's, there's no doubt about that. But the um you you have to spin like you have to spin so many plates yeah. as a car salesman. Like when you've got a, if you've got a new customer sat at your desk, you'll have like so many other things going on in the background. You'll have someone that's coming to pick up their new car this afternoon. You'll have someone that's uh, dropping off their part exchange tomorrow. So you, your your ability, our, our ability to spin plates just got stretched to the absolute maximum because we were quite both quite good salespeople as well. So we were selling quite a lot of cars, and and obviously the more cars you sell, the more plates you 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 just by default yeah. spinning and so yeah. we're really good with we're really good with multiple spinning multiple plates and like and having I, a lot of
3: stuff unfinished it probably uh, yeah that having, having well. a
2: high pressure and and having loads of loose ends like we've noticed that people people generally can't deal with loose ends and un, unfinished i, I think we, we've been really interested in like the, the sort of people uh that, that want a nine-to-five job you know the people that say how can you work for yourself
3: Someone said, "How can you like like the worry of setting up your own business and like what if it fails and da da da?" And we were saying like, "Well, but you know when you work for someone else, you're putting that on them. Their business could Their also business fail. Just you just has have no idea. Exactly
2: has the same, yeah, yeah, yeah. same likelihood. In, <laughs> no, fact, saying, in fact, you've got more control over it failing if it's your if it's your own business. But you're just putting that in someone else's hand and pretending that that." uncertainty doesn't exist because you're like, oh, well, I clock in at nine to five and he's told me I've got a job forever, so that's it. And you're like, you've just deferred that uncertainty on someone else. And so we've noticed that people like to pretend that they've got certainty that they finish at nine to five and everything's in nice, neat little boxes. When you've got your own business, ain't nothing in boxes. (laughs) Like nothing, you don't know, you don't know. uh, There's so many things floating, even like right now, if I start thinking about it, I'm going to start panicking, but we've got so much stuff. Going on and floating around, that, that people. A lot of people can't deal with it, but we're just quite good most of the time. We still freak out, um, but most yeah. of the time, ninety-eight percent of the time. I uh, think we're that all right is it.
3: that is what it is, isn't it? We've like it. It's the like when you've got your own business, you you end up with like you've got like little things that need doing that week that are still unfinished. You've got things that maybe won't be finished for two, three months. Like we're opening a new shop. That's ongoing. That's not going to be opening for a couple of months. And then we've got bigger things that you know like might be ongoing for 12 months and you can never just go, oh, I've finished, I've, I've finished my to-do list today. Like this yeah, to-do yeah, list yeah. never ends. And I think, I think that's one thing that in car sales, it was the same. Like you never, because there was always, every time you sold the car, some of the new cars, they wouldn't pick up for three months. Some of the used cars, they would be picking up in a couple of days or in a week or in two weeks. So you'd always got loads of customers like ongoing and it, it never ended.
1: What would your advice be to someone who is juggling loads of plates? Like how do you manage that? meditation
3: yeah <laughs> meditation and and also writing stuff down I go through phases with it but I, we, we were watching something or listening to something the other week that was saying that if you sometimes like the, the we, we don't like uncertainty and we don't we like everything to be finished by the end of the day so we can like kind of go all right we're done with that finished but yeah. they, they were saying that another way of doing that same thing is just to write it all down because then it's out of your head and you know that you you've remembered it because I think I'm really bad for it in that I I'll, if, I'll, if I've just got something going on in my head I go oh it's fine I'll remember that in a couple of days when I need to but yeah, then I don't yeah. remember it or I do when it like it comes back up again and it just keeps coming back up over the next few days and it's pointless it's just wasting like mental energy so like I think if you write it down it you, you feel like you've dealt with it and you can come back to it so I, I I I, I wouldn't say I practice it all the time but (laughs) I think it's good advice
1: it's almost like if each task you have to do is someone stood in front of you talking at you Mm. as soon as you've got a room full of people all talking at and you can't hear anything they're saying because everything's just so loud that's when it kind of gets over the top Mm. so I think like writing it down is definitely a good good thing to do
0: so how do you guys deal with being a couple as well as business partners? Terribly. Like really
3: bad, really <laughs> 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 it's not that bad. Well,
2: we're, we going go through, through we're going phases. through an episode right now, but actually we're just, yeah. hiding, we're just hiding it really well.
3: It, it, yeah. <laughs> it, de- it depends really. I think most of the time we're all right. But then obviously when big things come up, it does it does um we we probably stress out about different things so we wind each other up with the things that we stress about and then i think we had a lot of practice because we were working together anyway um and, and we were mates yeah so we were working yeah. together
2: and we were mates so we were like going out drinking yeah um we were really good we, we were really good drinkers once upon a time and we were so we were working together, drinking <laughs> together. So if we, actually oh, that's
3: one of the things we do we we, we don't drink oh, yeah. <laughs> because if we drink we're like nothing gets done <laughs> um but yeah we we definitely i think we've we've had to because we live together work together and it's difficult because you know when you're at home you end up just talking about work all the time so i think we have obviously with coronavirus it's been different but before coronavirus we'd we'd started to try and kind of push ourselves to spend time apart because you kind of have to because it feels crazy because you're like oh i'm having to force myself to do this but it's actually really good it feels really good for you doesn't it when you when we do it we just haven't done it for ages because of
0: coronavirus yeah. so apparently during um lockdown the inquiries for divorce have gone up 40 wow. percent. Wow. yeah which is which is crazy and so so me and yana were talking about that and and we were saying well we're we've been in training yeah. for lockdown mm-hmm. for the, for the past like nearly 10 years because we've we've spent so much time living and working together okay. what we do is we always try and make sure that work fights never spill over into personal fights and personal fights never spill over yeah. into work Most, that. It's training i suppose of just years and years of practice yeah. because it's like i've not unpacked the dishwasher mm. that's a personal problem that has nothing to do with if if jonah's asking me or oh, can you come to this meeting with, yeah. with me and then and we leave that we leave that in the uh, box yeah. that that it is, and we'll address that when we get mm-hmm. home and we're in front of the dishwasher. Then we can talk about uh, that. Yeah. And if we both feel that a, a business, well, I suppose we're lucky in that there's three of us. So if Yonah and I are uh, loggerheads on a business decision, <laughs> then Adam can yeah, come in yeah. and go, "We're going with this this version," and then the third person is always like, "Okay, well, majority rule." Yeah. And so that's that's quite lucky in the business. Um, sense but i think it's just it's just practice isn't it of of working with your partner over and over yeah. again and finding the grooves of what work and what yeah. don't
2: i think we missed that third person because um we were watching a talk by um innocent smoothies one of the guys from innocent smoothies and he was saying what you yeah. just said that there was three of them yeah. and it was really good because there was always there was always a majority vote and well just give adam a call <laughs> yeah.
1: and he'll, yeah. he'll mediate yeah. your relationship yeah, right. <laughs> <Cheers>. <laughs> i've got a lot of
0: experience <laughs> <laughs> so you guys packed in car sales packed your bags so where did you go
3: so we went to um australia first <laughs> and then yeah. so but not for very long just for a couple of weeks and then we went on to new zealand but the thing is new zealand is like a big part of like what changed was i think as do
2: you know what we we, we did, they wouldn't let me into australia because uh, we put on the money in lucy's bank account and uh and, they, and then ah. they stopped us yeah. I didn't have a work visa because I was 31, and they stopped us at the thingy, and we uh, we were stood together. She had a work visa because she was a little bit younger, and they were like, uh, "We think you're going to work, but you come with us." And I was like, "No, no, we've got, we got money because we, we did have a bit of money. We had a few grand saved up. I think we had enough saved up for like the amount that they wanted or something like that. So they wouldn't let me in. So yeah. I, I went. Uh, they put me in a detention center for two nights, and then put me back on a plane to. Um, Manchester um and then uh we but, like
3: the detention center was a proper detention center for people that had actually committed crimes and were getting deported so it was kind of oh, like a little God. like a semi-prison it was very like, it was, was a soft was, it was a very soft prison yeah. but like there was people in there that had done
2: it was some yeah some scary people <laughs> one of the scariest people befriended me like really quickly <laughs> Bizarre, <laughs> bizarrely um um but that was yeah it was quite an experience that um there was like an israeli palestine battle going on inside the prison as well and there was like two israelis staying in my room that were too scared to leave the room and i was like Spoke to the guy like what's going on. He's like, you just don't get involved. I'm like, all right, cheers. Thanks Isn't that. that
3: mad though to be put in that situation <laughs> all because she didn't have your money? Like the money was in my pocket. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um,
2: so uh, so yeah, I, I came back to uh, the UK and then we kind of regrouped. Lucy stayed in Melbourne for like four weeks till we till we'd sort of figured out what to do, and then we met back up in Auckland in new zealand and the significance the big significance if we'd have got into australia we would have just carried on partying really hard Mm. and new zealand's a totally different vibe i don't know if you if you've been to new zealand
1: yeah, I was there in uh, February, March. Nice. Oh, just before yeah. lockdown, yeah. Yeah, just before lockdown. Like the day we flew out was the day that New Zealand put their band oh, on. Wow.
3: When we got to New Zealand, because we'd planned to go to Australia and party, we were like, got to New Zealand, we were like, where are the parties? We just couldn't find any parties, <laughs> and not oh, yeah, in the sense yeah. that we were looking for. And then by the time we actually did get to Queenstown, where there is a lot of drinking, like the drinking culture big, we. We got there and by then we were just, we weren't bothered because we'd kind of traveled all the way down in the camper van and stayed at different places. And then mm-hmm. by the time we got to where the parties where we just weren't bothered. Yeah, New Zealand just kind of like beat that party lifestyle out of us in a lot of ways. Yeah. And it just really made us chill out and like slow down in life and then, yeah, and then I think that's what changed a lot. And we did our first meditation, like 10 day silent retreat there as well. What was your main takeaway from that ten-day retreat? Just that, just that, that voice inside your head is the thing that's like actually your worst enemy. Like it's constantly telling you you can't do this, and you're no good at that, and you're not good enough to do this. And once you realise that you don't have to listen to that voice every time it speaks, <laughs> you, yeah. it's a lot more doors open up. I think. I think it's that idea of like if you believe you can do it, you can probably do it. it. But most of the time, we don't really believe we can do it.
2: I think, and not reacting to, yeah, not reacting, mm-hmm. not reacting to like physical sensations and not reacting to mental thoughts that you can you can just observe them um
3: we've actually never seen anything so amazing as that have we like within the business like like because the technique of meditation it's teaching you like non-reaction so when when anyone says or does anything that you don't particularly like or the situation's not going your way the best thing to do is just not react because often we react we shout at the other person get angry at them and it it just it just causes like you to just butt heads but we've actually like if you don't react like don't get me wrong i'm saying this like i, I manage this all the time <laughs> i don't but like it's when you when you don't react we've noticed so many times that things just tend to fizzle out or they go away completely like anything big that's not felt like it was going right yeah. or it was going wrong or whatever you it just it's happened so many times where we've observed it and afterwards gone wow that situation just completely did, like either went our way or just just um yeah. disappeared do you know what i mean
1: yeah because yeah, i suppose you got Different parts of your brain that react to different things in different ways. You've got your more kind of primal part that will just be pure emotion, rage, that just will just show it straight away. Yeah. But then you've got the more rational side of it that will actually if you do step back and yeah. just look at that rather than just reacting straight away, mm-hmm. yeah, you'll get a better yeah. result from that. Absolutely. Yeah. One of the questions we get asked quite a lot is like,
0: How do you find, how do you find your thing? How do you find your passion? How like I want to start a business, but I don't know what I want to do. And our kind of answer is always like, you just got to explore. You've just got to try so many different things. And it's, it's so interesting when you look back on your journey, like how foundational all of these different stops are, that mm. it are seemingly completely random. Mm. Like, had you not been stopped at the border, then you wouldn't have, but, but everything that did happen to you has become part of your journey yeah. that has now funneled yeah. into what you're doing today, which is crazy. Yeah.
2: Yeah, definitely because we, we we we've been doing talks to um some business stuff and and universities and things and i think you said it earlier when you have to sit down and like write a talk you kind of it, it takes shape doesn't it that that path um yeah. sort of takes shape and and you're like oh this is how this is kind of how we've ended up here and it is and this is the problem is it I think a lot of it's by, a lot of it's, most of it's just by accident. You you, you can't, because people are like, oh, well, yeah. how do I do a business? How do I set a business up? What would you, what advice would you give? And and we're like, I don't know, just go, <laughs> just go and travel and see what happens. Eh? I don't, <laughs> I don't really, this, everyone's different and there's different paths that will just sort of um, show themselves. It's,
1: it's hard, isn't it? People put a lot of pressure on themselves now, especially because entrepreneurship seems like it's really trendy mm-hmm. and everyone has to go and start their own business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, well, okay, well, what is the thing that I need to go and start a business doing, but yeah you might not have come up with the idea yet and I feel like it's always bad to just start a business for the sake of starting a business just to go go and try and make money especially because it's like it's not going to last because you're gonna like one it's going to get like running a business is really hard and stressful so as soon as that stress kind of takes over and it's not actually something you're really passionate or care about you're just doing it for the money like you're go well what's the point of this I might as well go like for someone else who can take all that stress off me and I'll just go and thing. Yeah. yeah.
2: something that we say, which I think some people find a little bit controversial is we, we don't have any goals. Like we, we barely even have like a business plan and we don't have, we don't have any goals. We don't have like, um, and we, we have, we've had meetings with people and they've gone like, right. So where you know, where do you want to be in five years trying to help us sort of write this thing? And we're like, we don't want to be anywhere in five <laughs> years. And, and I think, I think what happens is, is, um, you, the, the, if you, if you set a goal, if you say, right, I want to be such and such in five years time or 10 years time, I think what it does is you, you're putting blinkers on yourself, and then and then you're missing yeah. uh, these opportunities. Like there's, there's opportunities blowing off like to the left, to the right, to the left, constantly. And because you've got these blinkers on of oh, I'm got, I want to be an accountant by the time I'm 30, whatever whatever thing it is you want to do, you miss all these um, other other paths and other opportunities yeah. that are o- opening up.
3: Because we wouldn't have said that we had like a um, we were like passionate about fashion. No way. Like mm. pa- like fashion kind of comes second to the business. It's like that's how the business is um functioning i suppose it's selling clothing but that's not what the business is about to us it's like it's way more than that and the clothing's kind of like secondary
1: would you say you almost have goals like personally in terms of how you want to feel emotionally like do you want to feel safe happy those kind of things maybe that's more what you're working towards yeah. Than just an actual like putting an object on it. Yeah.
3: Like we've always, like when we said, it's really funny because when we were traveling, we were like, we just want to keep traveling forever. Mm. Like we just need enough money so we can keep traveling. We'd, we'd learned that actually you can live on quite a small amount of money when, while you're traveling, if you do a lot of like um, volunteering, um, working in exchange for accommodation and food. I love that. Like just meeting different people at all mm. these places. That was the goal for us. And then we kind of go, did, did this pull us away from that goal? Because. Now I'm, now I'm in a business and I don't get to travel that much anymore. But actually the business is just starting to like, you know, we're just coming up to like nearly um, the end of year three and it's, we were about to go off traveling again this year. We were going to just be like, see you later guys. I think you can manage this. We can work remotely. Um, and then coronavirus happened. So yeah, we, it took us a couple of years, but it's meant that actually we can now do that traveling and but, but have a lot more freedom and um, a lot less worry of money um, and also be working while we're doing it. So we're still earning money. So it's, it's like amazing. We can do a lot of what we do remotely mm. now.
0: So at what point during the traveling did the vintage clothes pop up?
3: It wasn't until we got back to the UK cause we came back right. to the UK because Chris's uh, stepdad was ill, wasn't he? Mm. So we had to come back. And when we flew back from Thailand, we'd got about four or 500 pounds left in our bank and we're like, this is not going to get us anywhere. So why don't we go to this market in Thailand, um, in Bangkok? that's like a massive like vintage market, uh, I know the one. market. yeah yeah
1: it's it's amazing yeah. it's, it's one just north of the city yeah. Yeah. yeah we went there we went there in our first week of traveling yeah. and my girlfriend was like oh my god it's like heaven, I, I can't it? i wish i could buy all this stuff because there's so many amazing yeah. things yeah. that are really cheap uh, yeah.
3: It's amazing, and we bought a bit so, of that back, we? so we were like, "We've got five hundred quid left. What do we do with it?" Should we been, just go on, and we've, buy it? We've stuff. been
2: teaching, by the way. We've been yeah. In this in between New Zealand and this point, we've been teaching in Thailand and Beijing, China, and and so we had we'd managed to save a little bit of money from that, and we.
3: Well, we had a problem though if you remember we didn't we didn't save so we'd got more money than 500 pound but it was in a chinese bank account and once you left china you can't get the money out there was like nowhere would let you take the money out
0: so we were
3: like what do we do actually the only place that we could use the the bank card was in airports so we ended up living in bangkok airport for seven days because that we that 500 pound (laughs) cash that we had we wanted to spend on stock we ended up living in bangkok airport for seven days it was brilliant and we living going, in, into the market living in bangkok motorists. airport
2: was absolutely brilliant and we started to notice that other people were living in bangkok <laughs> airport right because uh, it's on like it's on like four or five levels isn't it um it's it's a strange, yeah, it's a strange it airport rather than being sort of spread out like um most airports are it's like stacked up on, on top of it and um we started to notice that other people were like living in the airport as well and i, I was like let's Let's um let's, let's, join, let's join them, let's get them all everyone together. And Lucy was like, No, we we're, we're, we're not supposed to be living with here like we don't wanna <laughs> we don't wanna be and my mate was my mate flew through Bangkok as well and he was like, I'm flying through Bangkok Airport. I'm like, mate, I'm in Bangkok Airport. <laughs> 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 so came, remember now. remember we woke us up it was like it was like five in the morning or something and someone's like pushing my leg. I'm like, Who's this guy? And it was my best mate. <laughs> And so we had, we had a drink with him, like six in the morning. He just got to Thailand and we're getting pissed in the airport on this,
3: this Chinese so this Chinese fun. money. But do you know um, the problem we've got is now, we, I'm saying about travelling, like those are the stories that are always the best, that always this the This is funniest. the problem. And this, once, you, once you're once you comfortable, you never get yourself no in the
2: This is the problem that we're having is, is we've, you, you know what, right? There's, there's contradictions with the human characters in there where we're always striving for comfort, right? We're always going, we're always trying to be as comfortable as possible. But comfort shit. There's nothing happens in comfort. It's, we don't we don't really want it. Here. We want we want stories and scrapes and mishaps. Um, but we think we don't want them. But we really do that is what we really do. The and since time? we've been comfortable for the last like six months, life's getting boring. We, really. we need to traveling. get out there and we smash saying, stuff yeah. up don't we? we? We're saying
3: about going traveling. Should we just like go and like still not take any money with us or something? Because we don't it's like, you know, it's so easy now. We 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 go to India and like we we did actually, I did actually force us to get on an overnight train when we went last time. But it's so easy, just you're like, well, I'll just fly, or I'll just get a taxi, or I'll because. You know, because you can, it's not, it's yeah, so yeah. cheap
0: there. We interviewed um, Alistair Humphreys, who's a professional adventurer, mm-hmm. and he does exactly yeah. that. So he um, sets himself challenges and he'll, so for example, once he busked across Spain, yeah. so he could only spend what he got from playing the violin uh, and he doesn't oh, play oh, the violin. What? Um, and so he he'll set himself the these crazy challenges. I think he had he had yeah. like six months of lessons or something like yeah. that. But, and he was like, I was crap. He was like, I could barely yeah. do anything. Yeah. And he'd get like three euros and that would be it for the day. And he'd steal a carrot from a farmer's field oh, and then buy some oh, rice, oh, and oh. rice and that like that and that's that's what he does because he, he needs to put himself like he has a comfortable life and he wants to put himself in those situations yeah. that that push him that yeah. and because then it gives him stories and then he can write books from the stories. Yeah. It's it,
1: and then that funds everything. He also had a rule where every day, no matter how much he made, he would have to spend that on the same day. So every single day started from wow. zero again.
3: Wow. just to kind of um, like,
1: keep that they, keep that going. yeah
3: because that's what we loved about when we we're in new zealand because we started actually out we feel like the brand kind of started in new zealand or the idea of working for yourself and making creating something and because we started making these um like little tobacco pouches so they were made out, we were making them out of like old clothing that travelers left behind in the hostels um because like everybody in new zealand smoked every traveler seemed to smoke and they were all smoking tobacco so we were like let's make these little pouches we were selling them for ten dollars. They were taking us quite a while to make at first. Like a couple hours would t- take both of us a couple hours just to make one. So the money wasn't great. But then as time went on, we started getting better at making them, and we were sitting on the beach, so so like drinking beers. Yeah. So it wasn't. Like, we're like, this is amazing. And but every day we we were having to sell like like x amount. So we started running out money towards the end, and it was like we need to like make sure we've got enough money to go on to Thailand. And it it was like but we never actually physically tried to sell them. We just used to sit sewing them um, with a couple of people and then more people would come and join. And then like everybody who you met would just be like, oh, what are they? You're like, oh, these pouches that we make. And they're like, oh, I want one. And like everybody seemed to want one and you never actually really had to try and sell it. And the other thing was that like it kind of built this community with it because when we left New Zealand, we would get messages of people saying, oh, I met such and such and they had one of your pouches and I knew instantly that they knew you guys. So like they had a conversation start and that's that's happened with the brand as a whole as well, which is yeah, like people, the people like smile at each other and like give each other a bit of a head nod in the street when they see someone else wearing yaks.
0: That's that's so lovely because I've like followed your brand for, for ages and um, you do notice it when you just see the mm. little square. With the bubbly yeah. writing, like you can, you can notice it. And he, and it's not like, it's not like you emblazon it like massive over yeah. stuff, but it's just that little, and I suppose you've got the, the signature ties for the dungarees yeah. as well. So it's like you can you can see it from a mile off yeah 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 and it
3: has it's like we get so many messages from customers saying oh i was walking down the street and this girl was like oh my god Lucien Yak, i've got some as well and it's like like a little yeah. like a club that everybody, yeah. it's happened to you it's happened, it's happened to me to yeah sometimes. i don't wear, i don't actually wear our own products that much but when i do i've got a fleece, you, you that fleece and on, i've got yeah. some dungarees but i don't i don't wear them that often um and um, but then I, I got a bit of a glimpse of what it's like to be a Yak customer it's amazing <laughs> like someone came up to me and was like where's your fleece from and I i'm bet like you- oh, well, it's from such and such. I just started pretending like it wasn't our brand, and Chris was
2: like, "It's actually." Yeah, and you know the story she was just telling there about the um, tobacco pouches. There was a really interesting thing that came from that as well, which we kind of uh, built upon later on. Where the people, the, the German couple that showed us how to make these tobacco pouches, they were selling them for like twenty-five dollars because he'd worked out how much he wanted to earn per hour and how yeah. long they were taking them. And, and we he showed us how to
0: do it German. German yeah, yeah. <laughs> and
2: he, he showed us they showed us how to do it and we were like um we were like well let's just sell it for whatever price they sell for which is like five dollars 25
3: dollars to a traveler is a lot of money. It's of
2: money so we were selling like five dollars ten dollars yeah, yeah. you know whatever people would kind of give us for them and so our hourly rate because we were so oh, slow. we did at
3: one point just started saying whatever you think whatever it's you want worth. To give. yeah and people that would then give 15 <laughs> it was always more
2: so we'd um yeah. we our hourly rate was like you know, ridiculous, it was like, you know, one New Zealand dollar an hour or something, like 50p, because we were just, but we were like, listen, we're sat on a beach, we're drinking beer, we're with friends, or we're sat in a pub, or the beer garden, or whatever, um, you know, whilst we're making these, this is not, like, really working, and it's, I think this is there's a strange, there's two types of people, I think, isn't there, there's, there's those that will grasp that, and sacrifice that, and go, well, I, I, I know I'm only making 50p an hour at the minute, but the potential future for this... I will um, get faster you know, yeah. might be different, or, or or I don't mind because I'm getting this. And then you've got other people who go, no, I, I, the minimum wage is £10 an hour. I'm not doing it. I ain't doing shit for less than £10 an yeah. hour. And You're like, you can't, some people can't seem to uh, see the sacrifice element and the potential future future gains from that, you know?
3: Yeah. We've seen that. Yeah. Especially yeah. in the creative world, we see that quite a bit. Like, people do seem to think I've got to charge X amount. And it's like, yeah, you do eventually. But in the beginning, people might not pay it. You can only sell it if people are willing to pay that for it. Yeah. Yeah, I think in the creative world, that's
1: really problematic. And I think a lot of that comes to education. Mm -hmm. I think universities tell a lot of people who study creative subjects, never work for free. And um, someone DM'd me on Instagram the other week who was a university student studying photography and just said, like, can I show you my portfolio and my CV and stuff to try and get work from it? And um, she she was like, oh, I just can't get any jobs. And I was like, well, you need to portfolio to be able to show people. Mm. And she was like, yeah, but I keep trying to get these jobs, but no one's willing to pay for it. I was like, well, you, that's yeah. the problem. Yeah. You just need to do it for free then. she's like, oh, we're, we're told not to do that. Yeah, it's like great like, advice well, that. How do you expect to grow a portfolio? Like it's a catch-22. Yeah. Like you've got to just sacrifice something to build something to be able to show people that you can actually do yeah. this. Definitely.
3: Because yeah, like with the pouches, we managed to like then, we got faster at making them by hand eventually. But we also then, we bought this like little portable sewing machine, it was tiny but it meant that we could probably make one in 15 minutes. So that's $10 in 15 minutes we got that up to by the end of yeah. our trip. And it was like, well, now we're making $40 an hour. <laughs> like, it, it was completely worth the sacrifice. And I suppose it's looking at whether what you're doing, you can earn money from in the future. If you do it for free now or you do it for, like, a lesser price now, can I can I up yeah. the price later or can I charge um, for it later? And I think, you know, if the answer is no, then it's probably not a good one to go down the path of it at all. But usually, like, yeah, you've got to do... You've got to sacrifice something in the beginning, haven't
0: I mean, you? Yeah. Your first kind of lesson on on, I guess, branding <laughs> was that people would recognise those those pouches. And I mean, we mentioned this earlier in the episode. Like, there's really no blueprint if you want to set up a. I mean, really any business. There's there's not a blueprint to do it. And I'm sure along the way you've kind of made mistakes and and learned because there's not been a blueprint for you to follow. When it comes to like working on your business. I suppose is is like a huge part of working on your business, just working on your community.
2: Do you know what I think? We, we've the business has grown so fast in the last uh, two and a half years that we've been kind of just, we've been focused on, on. We we were going for like mega growth. We we were going for like doubling year on year, and uh, and then at some point earlier this year we we decided to stop doing that because it was probably going to kill us Uh, and we weren't really focusing on the the, the, we didn't
3: really know why we were doing it either we were like why are we doing this because it's not about money so we were like why are we why are we rushing for this growth and like actually we just want to travel so it's better that we just chill the company we've got a great team now that could keep it at this size for a while or just grow it really gradually yeah um without us having you know to work too hard and i think yeah, we... so
2: I think we've been I think we've been neglecting our community, and then we've just in the last six months we're really focused on them. So I, I, we, we, there's a, a fan club on Facebook, which has got like twelve um, and a half thousand members, and I mean um, I talk nearly like every day to the to the owner of the owner of that. So we we've stepped our game up on that because I think we were letting the, the community down um a little bit and it and i think it, i think you're right i think it's it is what lucy and yak is it's a community in terms brand of like
3: it? yeah in terms of like content and stuff that we do it's always community focused mm, like mm. we we sometimes we've been laughing throughout um like the last few months i'm like sometimes going on our instagram page and i'm like can you even tell that we sell clothes it's mm, just it's just mm. full of like artwork and um, and like i was just talking about different things and i think we we try not to we try not to like try and sell anything and it, it, we just try and create this platform where people can come and have a have a chat with each other and one thing we've always been really proud of about our platform is it's so positive we very rarely get any negative comments and where we do people then like other people from the community will will like say um i think that was a bit out of order or i think you know or they'll try and like answer for us, which I'm like, wow, that's amazing. And we've even had debates. We used to do this thing called Sunday Debate, which I think we're going to pick up again, where we would debate a particular topic. So we'd, we'd start the conversation off, and it would always be like something that would always usually start a fight where, where else, every, like, like, <laughs> like veganism, for example, always starts a fight. And then, but you know, it was just such an amazing feed. And there was like 300, 400 comments on it, and not a single person was. Um, having a go at anybody else, everyone was just being like super helpful with each other. There was people going, no, I'm just going to eat meat forever. And people were like, well, that's your own choice. That's fine. And then there were people being like, you know, like, it, and no one was like fighting. And it was that post actually that I realized, wow, we have got such a mm-hmm. positive um, community mm-hmm. that they, they really respect the split, like the space. And they know that it's somewhere they can come for like positivity and, and to feel good about themselves. And so whenever anybody else tries to ruin that, a lot of people tend to go, hang on a minute, that, this is not the place for it, you know.
0: I mean, when was the last time that you met uh, an aggressive or, or basically a dickhead that was wearing a dungarees? <laughs>
3: yeah, exactly. <That's laughs> a, it just doesn't, well, happen. It doesn't happen. yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of our customers, mild, are, they're, they're, a lot of our customers because um, someone said it a while ago, that our dungarees have become the uniform for creatives. So pe- basically the uniform for people that don't have to wear a uniform. And it's gave everybody this sense of um, it's gave. It feels like it's gave creatives and independent businesses, business owners, this sort of sense of belonging. Because like often when you work from home, especially if you're just a one man band, it's really isolating, isn't it? You don't have like employ- like um, colleagues that you can chat to, and your you, your workplace is often like a place that you feel like you belong to. This place and it's kind of almost like a community in itself. But when you work freelance, you tend to not get. You don't have that. And I think people are loving that it's like, oh, we we know that all of us here are like like freelancers. All like-minded. Yeah, we're all like-minded and we we all wear the same thing to do our work in. And it's like, it's quite, it's it's nice, isn't it? Mm -hmm.
1: That's really cool. At what point did you take on your first employee? And was that kind of a bit weird to kind of let go of some responsibility?
3: Yeah, do you know, it was just scary employing someone, you know, pulling someone away from their job. And we were only like a couple of months old because it took off so quickly that I think, we got back from India in July, and by September we'd employ we'd have to employ someone, and we were still working out of my mum and dad's wow. house. So the employee had to work in my mum and dad's house. <laughs> um, and
2: oh, that was it because your mum because
3: my your, mom, yeah.
2: uh, Lucy's mum wouldn't let someone work in the house that she didn't know. So it, like it, it niched our um, uh, potential uh, employee options oh, okay. down to yeah. about three people. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I lived in Barnsley where Sorry. my mum lived. I'd not lived there for about ten years. So I didn't really have any friends. So, kicking about. so
2: we had to go to the. We had to go to the. So we had no, this Jenna list. asked me. A, oh, a did she? Oh, all right, that was um, alright. So,
3: like a friend from school asked me for a job, and I was like, "Look, she was. She was already saying that she was wanting to quit her job. She hated it, and she wasn't bothered. She was willing to take that chance. So it was a little bit. It was less daunting in that scary, sense, that, but it, it, it was still scary knowing that you're pulling someone away from like a, a you know, a stable job to come like we're only a couple of months old I, we have no idea where this is going to go um and my mum my mum was working for us at first as well and then we moved out of their basement and then i think by the december we'd employed another like three or four people that we didn't know so and now it's just yeah it just feels just, like nothing. Yeah, that
2: first one's definitely the hardest and now yeah. it's, it's just you don't even think about it do
3: you
0: mm. lucy i've heard you say before people are too scared to show in the early days that they are a small business mm,
3: yeah I've seen that a lot, so many times. Like I see people who I know, I know them and I know their business and there's just them doing everything and they'll go, yeah, just message customer service and um, just sending it, pop an email to customer service, they'll help you. And I'm like, why are you doing that? Because they're going to be harder on you now because if you were like, hey, it's just me, I'm just a one-man band. Yeah. Like people are so like I, I want, I'd keep that up forever if I could. You know what I mean? Even as the business is growing, I'm going to be like in the early days. I think people thought that I was doing the sewing, I was doing all the parsley. Like even as we were getting bigger, like about a year ago, still people would email as though it was all me doing everything. <laughs> and it's like been so interesting to see people's perception of how big we are. Some people think we're huge. Some people think we're still really tiny. And like, you know, we, some know, people... we know
2: some people with like different it's just, them, it's just them, it's only them in the business, like 100 percent only them. And they've got like different <laughs> email addresses and different different Instagram. Why are you making life so complicated? <laughs> like, what are you doing? <laughs> just tell them it's just you on your own. People are brilliant, yeah.
0: aren't they? Yeah. To to end off, um, what would be your kind of main piece of advice to um anyone that wants to start something new? Like it can be a lesson that you've that you've learned. Um, or just something that you think people don't know about that they should.
2: Oh, do you know what I thought about this a minute ago? Like having a, having like a support network of like friends and family is is. Or like vital in life the problem that it, that it has got is it will s- tend to stop you from doing things doing adventurous and new things like if we'd one day if we'd one day, if we were in car sales and one day we went let's set up a dungaree brand and we went round the guys in the garage and our parents and our brothers and sisters and our friends went hey guys we're going to set up a pink corduroy dungaree <laughs> brand what do you think so, have you, are you all right? Is everything, do you, want to, do you want to talk about anything? Is everything okay? That's the worst thing I've ever heard. Um, fortunately, we've gone traveling and broke away completely from all this community. We had no one, we had no one around us that was, like that um, knew was, well was given us any kind of barometer of what was like sensible to say. We just <laughs> we just drifted off into this sort of world of like where it was just me and Lucy just saying mental stuff to each other. That sounds ace! Let's let's fucking do it. And and, and, um, and having that time of traveling where we could just kind of do that and just come up with just mental stuff and try things and, and do that. He, that that was part of the that has to be the foundation of how like we've ended yourself. how we've ended up with that. Is is being distanced from. People. And the problem is, is, a lot of those people that, that will give you negatives, they just don't want you to, to get hurt. Like if your parents say to you, why don't you just become a, an accountant? They're saying it because they've, they've, you know, you, you, did
3: you ever <laughs> tell you to become an accountant? Because you <laughs> oh, wait, said well, that
2: twice. <laughs> It's because we, we need a financial controller at the minute. I'm trying. I'm hoping someone hears this and, and gets it. You, you, yeah. So your family they 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 don't want you to be hurt. So they'll say things. Dave Goggins. Dave Goggins. I heard this on where he went. Your family are just trying to protect you from from getting hurt. So they will always try and push you down the safest the safest route. Um, and and that is not. That the safest route is not the best life. The best life does not come from the safest route, and everyone around you is trying to keep you in the safest route. So you have to somehow break out of that support network.
3: Like which still is... be friends with them, but like you've just got to spend some time on your own, like and, and be.
2: Yeah, I don't know how. To, I don't know how to suggest doing it without traveling, to be honest. But anyway, yeah. that's my that's my tip.
3: Uh, I suppose another one is um, like be careful with people giving you advice because we noticed in the early days we would listen to people who we thought were more knowledgeable on a particular thing than us so like finance is a big one or you know because we're like we don't know anything about finance so like someone would give advice and you kind of follow them down that path and then like we've had to unpick so many messes. like we had a new system put in that was just garbage and it cost us a fortune. It cost us. We ended up having to employ five more people to run it, which like we were like systems are supposed to make things easier. And, um, yeah. And I think we've we've done that. We did that a few times in the early days, where if someone's like, if someone's really, because some people are really confident, they're like, yeah, if this is the right thing for you and your business. You like, yeah. But you don't even know. You've not even spent the time getting to know the business. And I think um, you, you think that you don't know the answer because you're like, you might not know the nitty gritty of finance, but you still you'll get a feeling of whether something feels right for your business. And we had a gut feeling that this felt wrong and we just ignored it and we went down the path anyway. And it was fine, but it just meant that we had to unpick it later. So I think it's, just in the business world, there's a lot of people with a lot of confidence that that tell you that they know best. And I think Mm. it's not always the case. I think advice is great. Like take it from people, but but, but analyze it and like, yeah. Only
2: you know your
1: business.
3: Yeah, you still make the final decision. Don't let them make the decisions for you.
1: I've always found it really important to if there is something new that we're going to try and do, try and learn it yourself first. Because as soon as you get a grasp of it, then at least you have the education of, well, what it is, your business combined. And then if you've got someone else to do it, how you'd want that to mm-hmm. go. Yeah.
3: yeah, that is good advice.
1: Uh, this
0: has been a really, really fun chat. Yeah, I really enjoyed it, that. Uh, so yeah, much. Thanks so yeah, much. Yeah, that
2: was great. I needed that. I
0: <laughs> Could you let our listeners know where they can uh, find you guys online?
3: Yeah, so Um or you can follow us on our Instagram at LucyAndYak. Um
2: Just type dungarees into Google and we'll... Yeah.
0: And we'll...
3: We're
2: top <laughs> seven we <seven laughs> will punch you in the face. <laughs>
0: Amazing. (laughs) Amazing. Appreciate the Wicked. Thank you so much, guys. (laughs) See ya. Thanks so much for listening.
1: If you get any value from these episodes, it would mean the world to us if you could share the podcast with someone who needs it.
0: You can always reach out to us on Instagram at RebelsCreate or head over to creativerebels.co. And remember, always be creating.
1: See ya.